How many times have you wished your kid came with a manual? When we are unsure as parents, there are so many conflicting opinions that it's overwhelming to know which way is best. Even when we're intentional, situations change, which require us to be flexible and remodel our styles to meet the needs of our families. I created this podcast to share principles and strategies that I have used in counseling and education to help parents prioritize authenticity, connection, and purpose with their kids. Welcome to Remodel Parenting. Welcome back to a new series we're beginning on the power of connection. I wanted to address this topic and talk about how important and how valuable connection is because right now in our culture, in our generation, in our country, people are lonely at rates higher than ever before. The number of people who express feeling very lonely within the last month has increased drastically um, as we look at surveys and data on people's feelings about their connection to others. In addition to that, mental health problems are on the rise, especially issues with anxiety and depression. And it's not just on the rise with adults. We're looking at higher rates of issues with this at clinical levels in teenagers and children in ways that we haven't seen in the past. Now, can be argued that we're capturing it differently, that we know what to look at, that people are more open and honest about talking about it. But when in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter why we know that there's more of it than what we knew in the past, whether it's that there are new cases or whether we're just seeing what's really going on. The truth is, is that people struggle. And many of us struggle on the regular with these types of things, too. And we see that in our kids. We can feel really at a loss on how to address it or how to connect with our kids as they're struggling. But doing well for our kids is not just about knowing how to look for signs and symptoms of anxiety or depression and how to address those if they arise. As counselors, we look to not only interject and intervene with problems, but also to proactively engage with families and with people to build strength and capacity to handle things before it becomes a really big problem. So some of the question about how we protect ourselves and protect our children from bigger issues related to um, to disconnect problems is how do we build good connections with our children, with each other as adults in a way that we can model that for our kids as well. There are significant physical, mental, and emotional ramifications of feeling very lonely for a long period of time. We're wired to connect at the core of who we are. Um, professionals and people who study other people say we have to be connected to others in ways where we feel like we are known and know others in a way that pulls us closer so that we can weather difficult times and we can enjoy good times even better. But there's a pretty big problem right now because there's a lack of ability and skill across the board and really even across ages and generations that we see of people being able to connect. We see incredibly significant decreases in empathy towards other people. There's less emotional intelligence and the ability to um, identify and call out and label our feelings and share them with others in young people, but a lot of times this is because their parents maybe weren't sure how to do that either or weren't taught how to do that and couldn't teach their children that. That ends up creating a lack of relational skill and ability in connecting with others and building the types of relationships that can carry long term. 
as a result, you see a lot of people getting into unhealthy relationships and trying to invest in and keep unhealthy relationships going because they need some type of relationship. And they may not have a pattern or a template for what a healthy relationship looks like. And so they kind of try to tweak and mold and um, work with a relationship that's unhealthy and that really isn't set up to succeed, even with some work on it, because either both people aren't working on it or because um, they don't really know what to do to create the healthy environment. And it can cause issues with failed relationships and failure and connection to the point that it feels like that's just normal in the way that relationships go. When I think about relational connection and skill, it reminds me about um, some of the stories and information I've picked up and read along the way about how public school curriculum changed over the years and decisions about what types of electives to offer, what children should study in school um, kind of morphed and over the years and they made decisions about it. One of the classes I can remember hearing about was when home economics and home, you know, home ec classes were taken from the curriculum and they stopped teaching it in school. So they quit teaching people how to do basic sewing and basic cooking and basic home planning and, and things like that. And one of the biggest concepts about that is that the school said, look, if we're going to have to cut something, this is something we can cut because they'll get it at home. Well, fast forward a generation or two generations, and what we've realized is that people really didn't get a lot of that at home. And so we ended up with generations of people who are not as savvy about keeping a home and able to take care of things themselves and rely a lot more on others and on services to do things for them, especially as it relates to things like clothing and cooking and other systems have evolved around that. So with that, it makes me pull back to the family and, and connection versus disconnection and say it really starts and fosters in our family systems. Now, I'll tell you this, that families can be healthy, very healthy, with a very wide range of healthy levels of independence or connection with one another. There are some families who prefer a little more independence and some families that prefer a little more connection than others. And again, wide range of okayness in those areas. But if you get out of balance on either side, where you're either overly connected and what we would call enmeshed in our profession, or if you're disconnected and not really connected to one another, it can cause issues in the family system and cause issues with the kids who are being raised in it. We're focusing on the side of disconnect at this point. But when disconnection starts in a family where people are not um, focusing on the real action of connection with one another, or they don't feel known and connected to, like known by or connected to the people in their families, then they either create a pattern of disconnect as part of just the way families and relationships work, or they begin to suffer early and struggle. Now, it's important that we know when we think about disconnection in families, we think first, usually our minds go to abuse and neglect. And that is a huge disconnect a lot of times in families. And anytime you see that happening, it is. But that's not the only way that disconnect happens in families. Other methods of disconnection or things that make us disconnect or maybe don't make us but encourage us to are things like checking out and focusing on anything else that kind of takes our energy 
or our minds away from what's right around us, like our phones, TVs, computers, even books and magazines. If we're focusing on those and not on the people around us in healthy balances, then we may be disconnecting from the people that we are in a home with, even if we're all in the same space at the same time a lot. Working can be a method of disconnecting, especially now with um, having come through and still in, in a lot of ways, the COVID issues and people being more apt to be comfortable working at home, more companies allowing people to work from home or spend more time working from home. People are getting used to blurring the lines between work and home, and it can be really easy to work more or work different hours that we may not have otherwise worked while our children are around or when we have the opportunity to be with our children or our significant others or other family members in ways that would be building up our connection. There's some natural disconnection that can happen as kids get older and start kind of pulling away or distancing from family, wanting to spend more time with friends, wanting to spend time by themselves, getting into things in their own worlds and ways of doing things. There's a lot of health in that, but at the same time, if those kids pull further away and parents don't bridge the gap on the other side to connect to them in the spaces that they're pulling towards, then it can create pretty significant gaps of disconnect during a time where kids really need as much, if not more, connection in those moments of being able to connect with their parents. Disconnect also happens when family members are not maintaining a healthy or safe environment for other people, or if there's a lack of peace in the home. If home is not a place that people want to come to get away from the rest of the world, if it's not the safe haven, then that can be a pretty significant issue in terms of disconnecting the people in the house. One of the best ways to see your home is to realize that all of you are out in the world, whether it's the kids or the adults, you're out in other spaces, Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at school, maybe it's just running errands and doing life in the world, but creating a space where when everyone's at home, it's the place to breathe, the place to relax, the place to be known, the place to be able to, you know, kind of recharge and regroup after pouring out in other places. When home is a place of peace and a place of rest, it can recharge people and connect them to one another in ways that we really have to have. Um, Dr. Scott Sells, who runs the Family Trauma Institute um, and has a great system for training um, therapists and other um, workers in human services and mental health fields in um, family trauma, uh, talks about how um, drama in a family really is trauma. And that when there's constant drama going on in a family, it actually creates the same types of responses that significant trauma in people's life can create. Our families are supposed to be a place of security and of being able to find balance and, uh, and hope and significance and connection. And if we're not fostering that, then it can be a really big problem. And as the adults in the house, we are the ones who are tasked with that primarily. It's our job to maintain peace in the house. Now, listen, some of our kids are tough. (laughs) If you have strong-willed kids, if you have kids with strong minds, if you have kids with strong personalities, um, everyone in our family has all of those things, not just the kids, the grown-ups too. That's something that can end up you know, stirring up things or creating more action going on, which can turn into more stuff happening. 
And it's got to be a really intentional place where as the grown-ups in the house, we find ways to bring things back where we bring the peace into the settings and situations and we don't just require that the kids be the one that balance the environment and create peace for us. Um, One more way that I think oftentimes homes or families become disconnected is that we get out of touch with our feelings. Everything becomes about the tasks, about getting everything done, and we stop connecting in our feelings and what's going on with people. Um, And that may be intentional or unintentional, and it may be that we say, hey, you know, feelings don't matter. We got to get these done, suck it up, deal with it, and move on. And maybe it's that overt, or maybe it's more covert, where things just aren't talked about or things aren't addressed as directly. Either way, when we pull away from feelings, we pull away from connection as well, because that's a lot of where we connect. And I'll go into that a little more in the other episodes in this series. It's really hard to maintain a balance and maintain good connection in a family anyway. But if we find ourselves in a place where our family's out of balance, not only is addressing it difficult, it can be exhausting at times. Because when you look at the whole situation, if it's out of balance or if we're all feeling disconnected, it's hard to try and connect to others when they are used to pulling back and not connecting too. Being connected, staying connected, looking for connection, it's hard because we're complicated. People are complicated and some people prefer more, prefer more connection than others. Some people prefer more independence. Some people need to be alone and need to process before they can talk. Others need to get things off of their chest. And those types of differences can bump into one another, especially when we're trying to connect. Connecting to others requires some selflessness, some times of looking at ourselves and what we prefer and how we want to do things, and also putting that on the back burner to be willing to listen to others' needs to tune in to others' needs and pay attention. It requires more time and energy than, quite frankly, we often give it. Um, We see connection as something that's kind of happening in the space in between or that's happening as a byproduct of all of us being in the same space. And that's not how it works. Research shows that motivation and intention matters in our choices in things like rest even. There's research that says... um, if you are a really, you know, really busy and you've been working hard and you are maybe, you know, maybe you're in school, maybe you have a really demanding job that that requires a lot of your time and effort and energy. And you know those days or those weeks or months even where you're working so hard and so much that your brain just feels so full and you'll find yourself at times trying to work and it's like your brain won't focus on things. So maybe you open YouTube or Netflix. Maybe you open your phone and and get into an app. Maybe you um, start surfing web pages or reading articles online or blogs. And before you know it, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours is gone. And you look up and you go, oh my gosh, um, I just wasted so much time and I didn't get anything done. And you get frustrated because you've just spent an hour to an hour and a half not getting things done. What research says is that's not rest. <laughs> Taking a break is not actually rest unless you do it on purpose and you give yourself the gift of intentionality and taking a break. So there's there were studies that were done where where they asked, you know, people to do things in different ways in terms of how they thought before they took a break. And what they realized is that for people who intentionally stopped and said, you know what, I'm going to take an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is. 
and I'm just going to surf the internet or I'm going to watch a couple of episodes of a show that I'm catching up on or I'm going to do this and they decide to do it and then go back to their work that they feel more refreshed, that it really categorizes as rest and that they're able to move forward in a way that is productive for them. Another set of research on intentionality and motivation is some work in health psychology on stress. And a health psychologist, Dr. Kelly McGonigal, she has a great TED Talk on how to make stress your friend. I can't tell you how many um, classes I have shown that TED Talk to when I was teaching undergraduate psychology. But she talked about the research that she was involved in where they looked at stress over the course of a lifetime. And I'll spare all of the details because I could nerd out on this stuff forever. But what they found out was that stress in and of itself didn't actually kill anybody. And it didn't make them more prone to heart disease and it didn't make them more prone to being unhealthy. But the thing that did cause those issues were people's beliefs about stress. If someone believed that stress was unhealthy for them and also had a lot of stress in their life, they were more likely to die earlier than people who had large amounts of stress but didn't really believe that stress was bad for them. Just the difference in how their mindsets and their body responded to the experience of stress changed their entire experience. I'm going to tell you my experience with families and couples and working with connection and working on the inside with people who are struggling in this, I would tell you that that's going to translate into connection as well. When we're together and we're doing things together, even if it's a planned trip or something like that, just being with one another doesn't actually hit the spot on connection. It doesn't actually fill the bucket and fill our, fill our tanks for, um, for feeling connected to those who we love. It has to be intentional, has to be on purpose, and we have to know that it's happening when it's happening. So as I wrap up this episode, I want to encourage you with an action step this week. Find a space to be intentional. Find one time this week where you move your mind, not just to being around someone, but when you're around someone or with someone, tune in intentionally and say, I'm going to really connect in this moment, and I'm going to be aware that I'm connecting in this moment. See how it makes you feel. It can be another adult if you want, even better, make it one of your kids if you've got children. Um, But try it out and see how it works. And tune in for the next episode where we're going to talk about purposeful presence and how to tune in on purpose. Thank you for listening to Remodel Parenting. If this has been helpful for you, share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss our weekly episodes. You can visit theremodelproject.com to sign up for our email list and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.